Good morning, church. That was a lot more responsive than the first service, so that's good. Uh, my name is Corey Sargent, and I'm one of the pastors here at Crossroads. And we've been going through a series the last couple weeks about our identity in Christ, how God sees us, is actually the title. And it's about who we are, not because of what we've done, but it's who we are because of what God has done in us. And this series has been designed you. I know it's, it's changed my view of myself, and, um, but today we're going to finish uh, the sermon series up. We're talking about misfit or masterpiece. Misfit or masterpiece. And today's text is going to be in the book of Ephesians. We're going to start in chapter 2 and verse 10. And if you have your Bibles, you can turn them over. And while you're turning, if you don't have your Bible, we'll have the words on the screens. But, um, but while you're turning, I'm going to start today with a, um, a story in my life. Some of you may, know, may not know this, but I uh, used to be a Boy Scout. Um, I never reached Eagle. I never attained Eagle Scout status. I was just shy of that. I was a Life Scout. Um, and one of the things that they wanted to teach us was how to whittle. How to whittle. I guess it's important to teach 10-year-old boys what their life could be like when they turn 80, you know, sitting on a you know, porch and you know, rocking chair and, and whittling, but that was the class we were supposed to learn how to whittle. So what they did was they gave us a knife, which was probably smart, and um, gave us a bar of soap. And they said, make something. And um, I'm not very artistic. Um, but um, So I started trying to whittle and whittle and whittle, and pretty soon the exercise was over, and the, the troop leader goes to the first kid, and, I mean, the, the bar looks immaculate, right? I mean, one side, it doesn't even look like it's been touched. And on the other side of the soap, it looked like, like a semi-truck, like an 18-wheeler like what you would see out on, you know, Amazon Parkway down the road. Um, but it was, it was a masterpiece. And then he comes to the second kid, and, and the, the bar of soap um, had more soap removed, but it resembled a car. Like, That's cool. That's a, a soap car. It was, it was awesome, right? And then he gets to mine. He didn't really say anything. He just looked. And he looked, and um, finally um, he asked me what it was. And by this point, I had whittled my bar of soap down to about the size of a half dollar. And it was about as thin as a half dollar, almost. And, and I had made it to where it was one point on one side and it was a little curved on the other side. And he, when he asked me what it was, I'm like, oh, it's, it's Paul Revere's cap. It's, it's you know, the old, uh, the old uh, Revolutionary War, you know, like a misfit among masterpieces. I was embarrassed. I wanted to throw the soap away. I wanted to throw the knife away. I'm, I'm, I just was not... I didn't feel like I was important or like it was, it was worth anything. And that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about misfit or masterpiece. And in the book of Ephesians, our opening verse today, we're going to look at uh, verse 10, and it goes like this. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So let's break this down. Let's break down what Paul was saying here. He actually says, for we... So Paul is including himself in this group that he's talking to. He's talking to a group of people, but who is he specifically talking about? So let's get a little context. Let's go back a few verses in verse number, 10, or no, verse number 4, and let's read what it says there just for context so we understand what the grouping is that Paul specifically is referring to or talking to here. And in verse 4 it says this. It says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. 
even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourself. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And I'm going to digress a minute. That passage is awesome. Right? Did you all see the promises in that passage? That passage is awesome. It says that when we were dead in our transgressions, we were still brought to life in Christ. It says... Um, it says that we are raised up with Christ and seated with him in heavenly realms. Seated with him in heavenly realms. I don't even know what that means. I don't know how to equate that. I know what it means logically. It means that God sees us right now because of what he's done in us. He sees us as already being in heaven with Jesus, seated, seated in heavenly places. And I can't wrap my head around that. It makes no sense to me. It makes no sense to me. But that's how God sees us. So, again, I, I digress, but to the group of believers in the church at Ephesus. He's talking to people who have put their faith in Christ and have received the saving grace of God. He's talking to the believers. And he follows up verses 4 through 9 with this in verse 10. For we are God's handiwork. And we are God's handiwork. He says, if you put your faith in Christ, if you have accepted his forgiveness, if you have accepted his grace, you are a handiwork of God. Your handiwork. And what this means, because Paul included himself, it says we, it means that anybody who has ever accepted Christ is a part of this group. It's a part of your identity. It's a part of who you are. We, as believers, are God's handiwork. And this word here for handiwork, the Greek word is actually where we get uh, our root word uh, for poem. So when it's, you, we see that we are God's handiwork, we're actually God's poem. We're actually a song in God's heart, a melody that God sings. We're this great, great, great masterpiece presented by God. We are God's masterpiece. And that's your first fill in the blank for today. We are God's masterpiece, or I am God's masterpiece. And that's easy to say. It's harder to believe. I'm, I'm not immune to that. It's hard to believe. It's hard to believe that I'm loved. It's hard to believe that I'm a masterpiece. It's hard to believe that I have a purpose in my life. And I don't know about you, but maybe you feel the same way. Maybe for you, it's hard to believe. Maybe for you, it's hard to understand. Maybe for you, you don't feel that love. And I, and I, think, I think that's understandable. Because if I'm honest, there are days I get up and I don't feel like God knows my name. There are days I get up and I feel defeated. And there are days I get up and I don't feel like a masterpiece. I, f I feel like a misfit. I feel like everybody else has got it right and I've got it wrong. And I can only imagine that you feel the same way. I feel like a Charlie in the box and everybody wants a Jack in the box. You know from the Island of Misfit Toys? You know the Rudolph movie? No child wants to play with a Charlie in the box. <laughs> that's, that's, as, that's, that's about as good as I can do that impression. But I think that's how Satan gets to us. I think that if he can change us from thinking about who our identity is into changing our identity into being something like our jobs or our ailments or our diseases 
or our sickness or our hang-ups, our hurts, our addictions, if he can get our minds focused on something else, and I think, I think to him he thinks he's doing his job. In our society today, we're told that we're, we're, we're minuscule, we're not important. We're this, we're this little you know, speck in the cosmos. The cosmos are so great and so wonderful and so grandiose. But that's not who you are. If you're a cancer, if you have cancer today, and you're a believer in Christ, cancer is not who you are. It doesn't define you. If you have a sickness today, it's not who you are. It doesn't define you. If you have uh, addiction today, that's not who you are. It does not define you. Your identity is secure in Christ and what Christ has done for you because it doesn't matter what you do. It's what he did. And far too often, it, we, we want to focus on what we are instead of whose we are. You know, I, 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 uh, those of you who know me know that I've, I've been, uh, I, I interview people for different positions or whatever for different companies I work for, and I've even interviewed people for the church here. And you always start off with an interview with, tell me about yourself, who you are. I'm a part of this group, or, you know, or, or um, I have this, I was born this way, I was, had this sickness, or whatever. But if you're a believer in Christ today, and you get asked that question, your first answer, your first response ought to be, ought to be I'm a believer in Christ I'm a child of God. He sees me. He loves me. That should be your answer. And we need to remember that this life is temporary. Our ailments are temporary. Our addictions are temporary. Our diseases are temporary. Our deformities are temporary. Everything in this life is temporary. Because one day we will be given new, unblemished, immortal bodies. And let's look at what it says in 1 uh, Corinthians. We're going to look at chapter 15 and verses 51 through 53. And he says, listen, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we all will be changed. In the flash, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, the dead will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For the perishable must clothe itself with the imperishable, and the mortal with immortality. And most Bible scholars believe that this passage is talking about the rapture. This, this, this Greek word for rapture actually means to snatch out, to snatch up. So, so what's going to happen one day, according to the scripture, is we're literally going to be snatched up and we're going to be, seeing, we're going to be seated with God. We're going to be with God forever, for eternally. We're going to be with him. We're going to be given these immortal bodies. In that moment, all death, all decay, all disease, all hang-ups, all hurts, everything is going to be gone. We're never going to experience them again. And the cool part about this, about this, uh, this, this uh, promise here is that we are closer today than we were yesterday to this being fulfilled. And we'll be closer tomorrow than we are today of this promise being fulfilled. Because like every promise in Scripture, it will be fulfilled one day. And this idea in this passage, it talks about the twinkling of an eye. And what that is actually referring to is when light, when the sunlight hits your eye and it reflects off. And that's literally could be, could be translated as the speed of light. In that nanosecond, in that moment... And that literal speed of light will be with God forever. I don't know about you, but you can tell that fires me up. I'm excited about that. But we need to understand that we're God's handiwork. And that's a promise I like to hold on to, is that one day all this will be gone. And I'm going to be honest with you right now. You may be in a position in your life where you're asking yourself, 
Why? Why was I born this way? Why do I have this kind of addiction? Why do I have this going on? And I'll be honest with you, I don't know. I don't know. But what I put my faith in, what I put my trust in, is verses in Scripture. And this is what it says in the book of Psalms. Psalms 139, 13 and 14 says this. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. This verse is saying that God knit us together. He knit us together in our mother's womb. He took the time to knit us together. When I take the time on a project, it has value to me. It has worth to me. It's something that's important to me. And this verse is saying that God did that. He took time. He took the time to knit us together. We have value to him. We have worth to him. Don't ever question. Don't ever question what God, what God puts worth in because you have worth to God. And that's your next bullet point. I have worth to God. The Bible says the moment we are conceived, we have worth to God. Don't believe this lie that we're insignificant. Don't believe this lie that we don't have anything to give, that we don't have worth. Don't believe it. I have worth. The Bible tells me I have worth. In the eyes of God, I have worth. Everything is valuable to God. In our society today, we see this idea that, again, that we're just insignificant. You look at the cosmos, you look at the space, you look at, at galaxies and stars and how beautiful and how majestic they are. And we get told we're nothing compared to that. But as a comparison, let's do something real quick. Let's turn over to Genesis chapter 1. Let's look at the comparison with, and if not, again, it'll be on the, on the, on the screen. But we're going to pick up on the fourth day of creation in verse number 16. And this is what it says. God made two great lights, the greater light to govern the day and the lesser light to govern the night. He also made the stars. It's like a footnote. It's like an afterthought, right? There ought to be an asterisk after a lesser light to govern the night. There ought to be an asterisk there, and you go down to the bottom of the page, and it says, oh, yeah, he also made the stars. Like, he also made the stars. People worship the stars. And in comparison, read in Genesis 2, verse 16, of the account of Eve being created. He spends verses describing what he does to create Eve. He spent verses describing what he did to create Adam. If you want a better comparison, look at this. God never wrote a book about the cosmos. He never wrote a book about space or about the galaxies or anything else. But he wrote a book about some of his children. Don't believe the lie that you're insignificant. Don't believe the lie that you don't have worth. Don't believe the lie of Satan that you're not important to God. God has shown you he's important to God. It's a footnote. He also made the stars. He also made the stars. But the reason why it should be easy for us to understand that, that uh, we're masterpieces to God and that we have worked to God is simple because God loves us. I am loved by God is your next point there. God loves us. The most famous, probably the most famous verse in all of Scripture is John 3.16. John 3.16, I think Rod said this last week, that it is actually normally one of the first Scriptures that normal, uh, first, you know, new believers will, will actually memorize. But the first six words of that verse say this, 
For God so loved the world. For God so loved the world. Six. So let's do a little exercise. If you're in the world, raise your hand. Awesome. If your hand is not raised, I'm assuming you're asleep. Awesome. We're loved by God. We have value to God. We have worth to God. We are loved by God. We're loved. And more importantly, we're not only loved by God. God wants a relationship with us. He wants an intentional relationship with us. He doesn't want a Facebook relationship. He doesn't want one of those relationships where you're like the friend of a friend of a friend of a friend of your third cousin, you know, and, and you hope by chance you don't actually see each other in public because then you do, it's going to be like awkward because you don't really know each other. And, you know, you're going to try to hide to keep them over there and, and keep you, where, you know, where you, oh, I, don't, I don't really know you, but we're friends on Facebook. That's not the kind of relationship God wants. God wants a relationship where when you walk down one side of the street and he's on the other, he wants to run up to you. He wants to talk to you. He wants to have an intimate conversation with you. Tell me your thoughts. Tell me your dreams. Tell me what you want to be. Tell me how I can help you. That's the kind of relationship God wants. We need to understand something, though. If you're a non-believer here, if you don't believe in Jesus or haven't put your faith in him today, we need to understand something. The Bible tells us that we're sinners. This, this relationship that God wants can't happen on its own. It can't happen because we're sinners. See, God is this holy and righteous God. And sin, when it entered the world, when Adam and Eve sinned, their sin, that, when they sinned, that's what caused all the bad things to happen, the death, the decay, uh, the, the bad things. And every, every generation has passed down this sin nature by sin nature by sin nature to all of us. When we're born, we're given this sin nature. And because of that sin nature and God being so holy and righteous, he has got to separate himself from us. And there's nothing we can do. And God, again, is a righteous God, and he's got to judge us one day for our sin. He's got to judge us. And he knows that there's no way we can repay our sin. There's no way we can justify why God should. And John 3.16 finishes it off by saying, the reason why God showed his love for us is that he sent Jesus to die so that we could have forgiveness of sins. Without Jesus, there is no forgiveness of sins. That cross that Jesus died on 2,000 years ago, outside Jerusalem, that cross became a bridge to, get, to, to bridge that gap between us and our sinful nature and God and his holiness. And the only way the only way we can get restored to that kind of relationship with God is to repent and believe. The Bible says repent and believe. It's so simple. Repent is just change your mind. Change your mind about who God is and what sin is. And believe means to put your faith in Jesus. But let's read what it says. We already went over this verse one time, but let's read it again. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 says this. It says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. This is the gift of God. This is not of works, lest any man should boast. And I just said the, the King James Version said the end of so I apologize. But this is not of works. There's nothing you can do to attain your salvation. There's nothing I've done to attain my salvation. My salvation is only secure because of what Jesus did at the cross. I'm nothing apart from that. I'm destined for hell apart from that. And that's what the Bible tells us. 
But God gives this gift, this salvation freely to those who put their faith in him. And that's what that verse says. If you today have not put your faith in Jesus, come talk to me. Come talk to Rod. Come talk to one of our leaders about how you can make that decision. We're going to sing in a little bit, and we'll pray. And come see us during that time at the next step tables. Right? How do we apply? But us as believers, what do we do with this information? Right? How do we apply this? You know, it sounds great. I'm a masterpiece. You know, I have worth. I'm loved. It sounds great. It's harder to live. So what do we do with it? Well, the first thing we do is we stop our stinking thinking. We stop our stinking thinking. Don't let the world change your perspective. Don't let the world tell you how you should think. Don't let the world tell you who you are. Change your perspective. Change how you think. When you feel like a misfit, just know you're part of God's masterpiece. In Romans 12, 2, it says this. It says, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You know the best way to renew your mind? <laughs> Sounds simple. Read the Bible. It's a little bit more difficult. You get to Leviticus, it gets confusing. You know, starting the New Testament, it's a little easier to understand. That's what you do. That's how you renew your mind. That's how you change your thinking. That's how you get past your stinking thinking, is you start reading the Word of God. You know, there's a guy named Moses in history, in Scripture. He had stinking thinking. I'm going to keep staying stinking thinking, by the way. Um, but he had stinking thinking. He thought that God would never use him because he killed a man. And God came to him at that burning bush, and he said, Moses, I want to use you. I need you to do this. I need you to go get my people. And Moses came with all kinds of excuses. He still had the stinking thinking. But what, what happened when he got past it? What did Moses do? He, he dealt with the Pharaoh, the king of the, of the nation. He brought plagues. That'd be kind of cool, right? He brought plagues to a nation, as long as it's not our nation. He brought plagues to a nation. He, he literally outran the Egyptian army because of God. And he's responsible for bringing the people of God to the promised land. He got past his thinking, thinking, and God used him in a mighty way. And that's what God has for us today. That's what God has for each one of you today. That's what God has for me today. And maybe for you, maybe for you, your next step today, maybe your next step is to get past your stinking thinking. Maybe you need to do something like um, write down or print out the phrase, I am God's masterpiece. Maybe you need to take it to work with you. Maybe you need to put it on your monitor. Maybe you need to put it on your, in your car. Maybe you need to put it on the bathroom mirror. Maybe you need to put it somewhere where you see it every day where you say, I am God's masterpiece. I am God's masterpiece. I am God's masterpiece. Because what God is saying is, is when the world says, no, you're nothing, you're nothing. God says, no, you're important to me. You're a masterpiece to me. I love you. You have worth. Don't listen to that. God's saying, I love you. 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 And everybody on the right, he's saying, I love you too. He's saying, I love me to me. Maybe for you, your next step to get past your stinking thinking, maybe your next step is um, start reading the Bible. Maybe dedicate yourself to try to read through the scriptures. Change your thinking. Let God renew your mind like only he can do. But that starts with a commitment. Start with a commitment to reading through the Bible. Uh, we used to have things, I think we still do, out on the back table of how to get through the Bible in a year. If they're not out there, email me. I'll send them to you. 
change and renew your mind to get past your stinking thinking. And maybe for you, maybe for you, maybe you, you want to start memorizing promises in Scripture. Maybe that's your next step. Maybe the next step for you is, is you need to start memorizing because you know the world's going to hit. You know something's going to come, and you know you're going to need those promises. And if you already have them memorized, you're ready. That's what Jesus did. He was ready. He had Scripture, and that's how he combats Satan. Whatever you need to do to get past your stinking thinking, do it today. Commit to it today so that God can use you the way he wants to use you. The next thing we need to understand, if we are in Christ, we have a responsibility to 2 and verse 10. And it says, for we are God's handiwork, or God's poem, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. And that's your next bullet point is, I have work to do. These good works that it talks about here are things that only you can do. And the reason why, by the way, God said that he has good works for us to do is because we, he gave his life for us, and these good works are a lifelong pursuit to give our life to him. He gave his life so that we can have a restored relationship with Christ, and so in return, he's asking for us to give our life to him. And these good works that he has are only things you can do, and you can do them no matter your ailment. They're only things that you can do. They're not something that Rod can do. They're not something that Jeff Brookshire can do. They're not something that Abby or Eric or myself can do. They're things that only you can do. They're designed specifically for you. And God knows what elements you're going to have. And he still designed these before the world was created. We've got to get in the game. God wants people who are willing to get their hands dirty. People who are willing to stop at nothing to share their faith. You know, this uh, next Sunday, we have our Connection Sunday. You know, we have three different classes. The second class that we offer is Connect to Your Purpose. And this is a great way to see how you're wired, to see what your gifts are, and to see how you can use that to get in the game, how to get involved, how to get on the field and get your hands dirty. If you're interested in that, fill it out on your connection card or just write it down. God wants people who will stop at nothing to share their faith, stop at nothing to share the gospel. Paul was one of these men, and this is what he began a good work in you, will carry you on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. See, Paul is one of these men who stopped at nothing, nothing to do the work that God has for him. He stopped at nothing. Because of it, he's considered one of the greatest evangelists of all times. He's probably the reason why we're here today. He created churches, and he brought endless people to Christ because he never stopped doing what God called him to do. That's what God wants. That's the kind of, of resolve he wants in his people is that we are willing to go and do whatever it takes. And this passage here, it talks about this is the kind of God we serve. No matter your ailment, no matter your hang-up, your hiccup, whatever issue you have going on, no matter how you were born, God won't leave you. You're not a misfit. You're a masterpiece to him. He won't leave you because even if you feel like you're a misfit. You have worth and you are loved. And we need to encourage others around us that they have worth and they're loved. That's our responsibility as believers in Christ. And we're going to end the message today with this. We're going to say something together in unison. I want you to say with me, I am not a misfit, I'm a masterpiece. I am not a misfit, I'm a masterpiece. Let's pray.
But Heavenly Father, we aren't misfits. Lord, we're a part of your great masterpiece, part of your great plan. God, I want to thank you that, Lord, you don't leave us where we are. Lord, you want to change us into being more like you. Lord, I'm thankful that you had a plan for each one of us before we were even born. And today you may not have know what your plan is. You may not put your faith in Christ today and, or it may not have put your, uh, your faith in Christ yet. And I just want to encourage you, today is the day of salvation. The day, today is the day that you can put your faith in him and that you could follow him. Today is the day it becomes real. And like I said earlier, this isn't something that you can attain. This isn't something on your own. This is something that only can be done with the blood that Jesus shed at the cross. And all you have to do is say something like this. The Bible says, confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart God raised him from the dead and you'll be saved. All you have to do is just admit that you're a sinner. Just say something to God. Just say something like this. Say, God, I'm a sinner. Lord, I need you to be the forgiver of my life. Forgive me of my sins. Lord, I need you to be the leader of my life. I put my faith and my trust in you from this moment forward. Jesus, I believe that you are who the Bible says you are. If you made that decision today, if you prayed a prayer like that today, come see me, come talk to me about it and what your next steps are. And again, for you, maybe your next step is, is uh, uh, being a part of Connect to Your Purpose, or maybe it's, it's memorizing Scripture, maybe it's committing to reading through the Bible. Whatever your next step is, don't let that slip away. Let God use you the way He wants to use you. And God, we want to thank you so much for your goodness. Lord, thank you for your, your, your perfect will. Thank you for your plan. Thank you for everything that you do in our lives. So like Rod said earlier, every good thing that we have is from you. God, we love you and we give you praise. And Lord, we ask you to use this church to change this community for you. Lord, we thank you and we give you praise. In your name we pray.